Welcome everyone below. We are on episode 10 of Mutant Monday and I'm very, very excited. So I'm not really sure if we've got got one person or two people. Is there both of you or just you? Oh, yeah. You know, um, Punk Apestrong is, uh, is also in the room, so he can, uh, he can come, come on as well and, and talk and goof around if you'd like. <laughs> I don't know, because uh, you can't... I could have them both online at the same time, but I think you can only speak if you're a uh, if you're on mobile, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think oh. it probably would be quite challenging to have you both on at the same time because I, I understand he's a bit high maintenance. He he is. He's uh, he's he's problematic as well, and you know uh, <laughs> I have more followers on Twitter anyway, so. <laughs> well we're going to kind of just do a brief recap of kind of because i know that from my limited knowledge you, you've been around crypto for quite a while before even before board apes came along is that that's right isn't it yeah yeah i've been um you know i've been i'm a techie and i've been doing sort of financial technology startups and startups in general um for forever but it started experimenting with crypto in probably 2013 but really if i'm being totally honest didn't participate in a meaningful way until uh probably 2016 i talked about it a lot because i we had an event called crowd invest summit which was the world's um largest crowdfunding conference and so we would talk about how you know crypto could transform micro payments and how it could be used around the world in a borderless way and so it kind of was along those those lines but i didn't like at the time i would say things like you know it's going to change the developing world it's going to make the the world a, a borderless place but in my mind i didn't think of it as a investment opportunity like in my mind bitcoin was for people who live in like iran when bombs are being dropped and uh and you, um, uh, and you know, you need a non-government money, uh, not for Americans who never go to the bank anyway, because you know, it, I'm using air quotes. Our money is already digital. Um, at least that's how I thought of it at the time. And then I realized all my friends that were buying Bitcoin uh, were were geniuses, and I was the idiot who was talking about it and never buying any. <laughs> and and do they still remind you now? Yeah, but I mean, you know, we're all sort of full time for a little while. Now it's like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I mean, to me, the NFT space is like such a natural progression of my own personal, just you know, uh, you know, the joke with Punk Apestrong is that he's kind of like me and all of my friends, at least the punk rocker friends who haven't given it up and still think that you know bad religion is the best band in the whole entire world and you know like you know stack them up next to the beatles beatles are like you know a three and bad religion is like a 14 you know <laughs> out of 10 <laughs> like we're all those nerds but there's a bunch of us who are older and actually are that guy that still play shows with their acoustic guitar at the bars and, and things like that trying to 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 live that lifestyle so to me the nft world is like my natural place because it's all the misfits and weirdos i grew up with uh um 
in crypto. Um, and so like now I'm the guy who was into the NFTs early and they're asking me like, oh shit, should I buy this thing or should I buy that thing? Or by the time they bought into the apes, you know, it was way more expensive. Um, and so, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. So now, now I bring it back on them, but uh, you know, the jokes really, you know, on all of our, all of our friends and family who still think we're all nuts and aren't participating in the space yet, but they'll get here. Yeah, because I think telling anyone that you're buying a digital image of an an, an ape, uh, any kind <laughs> of amount, I mean, 200 bucks, people just kind of like shrug their kind of shoulders a little bit. But then once it goes across 200 bucks, the eyebrows tend to go a little bit higher and higher. And then mm-hmm. the mouth drops open as it kind of goes into more digits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it's just nuts. So I did a call earlier today um, with one of our uh, investors in our fund. And uh, I'll, I'll get into to what I do for, for a living and all that. But like the one of the investors in our fund and, and an introduction to another um, uh, another investor um, that they were talking to. And so I'm on a Zoom call with a bunch of suits and I'm actually today wearing um, the uh, one of my Bored Ape shirts, the, the, the shirt from the uh, partnership with the hundreds. Um, and I'm wearing that shirt and everybody else is wearing a suit, right? <laughs> on this Zoom call. And, uh, you know, I show them and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm kind of doing this to, to put my mindset in uh, the Mutant Monday podcast I'm going to do later today. And, you know, I'm talking to these people who are all, you know, career uh, investors. And, and I now have turned that into my career. But, like, I'm not that guy by sort of pedigree uh, or by, you know, historical standards. Like, I didn't go to Stanford or go to those schools or do those things that a lot of investors and VCs and stuff did. Um, and, uh, and so it's so funny to me that like, we kind of all pause in this call and they start asking about NFTs and apes and fun, fun stuff like that, that we've turned, uh, our lives into. And I have other calls, like these guys were actually pretty sophisticated dudes who are investors in blockchain funds and know the space and own, uh, they invest in, in, you know, tokens and protocols and things like that but every once in a while i have this call with you know like a random family office again i'm holding quotes which basically means it's you know the office of a really really wealthy person or family whose job it is to invest their money and they're asking me about things like apes right and they're going like like you know where you know is is now still an okay time should i still be buying in should i be you know flipping this or doing that and i'm just like i don't trade i everything I do is very long-term. So like to me, holding the ape is totally makes sense for forever and for the IP and for, for things like that. And, uh, and, uh, but to them, they're thinking about it as, you know, like a, uh, a short-term investment opportunity. And it's so funny though, because you're like talking to these people who, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think many of us would be allowed in any of their clubs, right? Like I'm not, <laughs> I wear a suit like once a year and it's only because at our conference, I can't be standing next to Joseph, my partner, who is a giant Austrian dude wearing his suit without looking like his little brother if I'm not wearing a suit. Right. So I wear the suit, you know, the the once a year for our conference. But other than that, I don't I don't do that kind of thing. And so it's just so funny to kind of look at these things and 
uh, and just see it, it. I felt that way always in tech and startups and stuff, but in the crypto world, it's a whole new level of, of how rad it can be to just be, you can be totally different. And, and that's, it's, you know, it's totally cool. It's just is what it is. It's, uh, it's great. And how did you so? How did you first find out about obviously the the board apes? Did you find out yourself, or did somebody send you a link? So I saw the board apes kind of happen in real time. Not real time, real time. I didn't mint, uh, um, and I wish I did. But to me, up until board apes, um, the NFTs that I was getting were like uh, um, you know a shout out to to Ken Bozak years ago probably three years ago i bought an nft off of him for like four dollars and 20 cents right like 420 at like at a crypto conference from my phone just because he was doing like he was showing people what nfts were and i got like ken bozak support badge or something three or four years ago whatever it was and i was minting nfts or uh for for just experimental purposes and i was buying nfts based from artists, right? Like a random artist that is in the crypto space or something that was launching an NFT or uh, connected with me on Twitter. I'd met at one of the conferences, you know, goes, hey, I minted my first NFT. And to me, it was like a very prideful kind of thing to try and um, to try and buy people's first ever NFT. So like a couple of my random friends in the space, I bought their NFT because I want to be like first, right? It's like when your friend opens a, a local business or something, you want to be the person spending that first $20 bill so that they, they, they pin it to the wall. And so uh, I, I tried to do stuff like that, but I never really participated in any of these, uh, the PFPs at this point and stuff. And I know that, that you know, board apes were early in that anyway, but I just hadn't done it yet. But I saw it and I thought it was cool. And I discounted what everyone was saying about the, um, the like own the IP uh, stuff. Like I just, um, it was, you know, to me, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You own the IP, who cares? There's 10,000 of these, like what brand is going to really do it? And if they do, they'll just buy a couple, like it's not going to like really drive anything. And I wasn't really, honestly, I just hadn't thought of it uh, as thoughtfully as, as I have at this point, right? And um, Mr. Suits laughing, him and I have had a lot of awesome conversations about this subject. And, you know, I, I uh, had Jason, uh, Jason the Ape, uh, the Hustle House. He was on uh, Mutant Mondays uh, a few episodes ago. You guys should check that out if you haven't listened yet. I, I listened to it uh, yesterday, kind of in prep for... Uh, for, for this, but I also was uh, live listened to it the last few minutes, but Jason's a buddy of mine. I met him in the crypto space in about 2016 or so. He came to our conference and I met him back then. He was uh, doing a podcast called Coin Stories and he was, you know, creating content and doing cool shit. And we always stayed in touch and we'd be messaging randomly on Twitter and uh, DMing and, and texting a little bit. And he, you know, He's obviously super into apes. And I watched a few episodes of The Boring Show, I think, like when he first started it. 
And I kept saying, I need to get an ape. But at this point it was, you know, like one or two ETH to buy an ape. And I'm going like, that's crazy. It's going to go down a little. There'll be a dip. There'll be something. And then Jason keeps texting me, you got to buy an ape. And I kept texting him saying like, we got to hop on a Zoom or get on a call. So, so you can show me which one I should buy. You know, like I want to like, what if I miss like some cool attribute that I don't realize exists. And so I, I had, I was starting to get FOMO. And I kept going back and forth with them. And I kept going, shit, it's like three or four ETH at this point. And I felt like I was like joining a club. Like it was really big deal to me to do it. But I also felt like I was an insane person because at that point, four ETH, by anyone, if you don't think it's a lot of money, you're, you're an insane person, right? Four ETH is a lot of freaking money. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this stuff going like, should I buy it? Should I buy it? And I'm like texting with Jason. It's one night. I'm looking at the floor of, of apes and I'm going down from the floor and I'm like kind of scrolling and scrolling. And then, you know, like maybe 10, 15 apes off the floor. I saw punk ape strong uh, ape number 5011, which is the one I ended up buying. And I was like, holy shit, that dude looks like me <laughs> is literally what I said out loud. <laughs> And I was like, I got to get that guy. Um, and I ended up, uh, you know, shuffling around some crypto and, and selling something. I think I sold my like Uniswap or something. Um, and I bought uh, and I bought Punk Ape Strong. And even then I like was getting it, but I didn't fully get it yet. Like I got it that it was cool and I thought it was fun, but I didn't like um, I didn't like fully really still buy into the the like you own the ip thing for me it was like hey i'm gonna change my profile picture i think this ape looks like me so it's hilarious and like you know it's just it's just fun like it's just fun and then uh i did um a blockchain booze episode with with jason and he talked about it um the hustle house um and i did a blockchain booze episode with with board becky and both of them in their episodes talked about um, talked about the IP, and it clicked for me the most when when uh, when Board Becky um, was talking about it because she said if I ever sell my ape, I own BoardBecky.com and I own at Board Becky, and her name is actually Ashley. Um, she's already doxed. I didn't just dox her or anything, um, but she, you know, her real name is Ashley and she like created a Twitter account for her ape and she gave it a persona and she kind of like did the whole thing and, and said one day when I sell it, I'm going to sell it all. And then that's when it kind of clicked to me and I was like, oh shit, I'm going to name my ape. Cause at first I, I went with Jason, Jason just called his Jason the ape. So I think I was like, for like the first few days, I think I called mine Alon the ape or like Alonymous the ape or something like that. Because my old Twitter account before I put my full name, I, I, it was Alonymous. And so I was like trying to kind of uh, do something like that. But then when Board Becky did that whole thing, I was like, I had a call with um, uh, some friends of ours who, um, uh, who own Sailor Gary. I don't know if you've met them yet, but they did the premium vodka uh, that, that they're doing. And, and there's going to be some news out of them, so I probably shouldn't say too much. But we were, I was talking to him, and I was like, what if my ape was like his own thing? And what if he like was a character and he had a thing? And what if other people did this? And this is months before that one music group bought like four apes and said they were going to create a band or whatever. We were talking about like, what if there was, you know, an ape comedian or what if like somebody bought like four apes or 
or fame ladies, other communities and like made an agency kind of thing and like created a DJ ape and a rapper ape and a this ape. It's kind of like the gorillas. And, and we kind of were, were talking about this stuff a few months ago, like, you know, before these people actually did it and stuff. And we were like, I'm going to give him a name and I'm going to give him a backstory. And he's going to be that old washed up punk that's still playing, you know, depressing songs on his acoustic guitar in the corner of the in the bar. And uh, and, you know, I listened to a couple of my favorite um, punk rockers who did just that. And I started to like play, you know, over quarantine times, too. I started playing guitar more and like mostly to my kids and. I joked that nobody's seen me play my acoustic guitar in person um, other than if they didn't have my same last name because <laughs> uh, I pretty much only play in front of my, my kids um, and, and my wife and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I, I started joking and playing songs and trying to like come up with a vibe. And I was like, I'm going to like put out an album as punk ape strong. And I'm going to like, you know, make these fake show flyers for these bands that he's like opening for. And he'll be like, you know, low man on the totem pole opening for bands who's like, I, I joked like my favorite band earlier, I said is bad religion. So I made like fake stickers for board religion. And I uh, joked that he's the founder of Apitaph Records, which if you're a nerdy punk rocker like me, you would know that the biggest punk rock record label in the world is called Epitaph Records. And, you know, um uh there is and like i i made all these flyers with fake bands like instead of the bouncing souls it was like the boring souls and instead of against me it said it was called against meme and i started like making these nfts just as a joke also as an experiment on tezos too i was experimenting on tezos and one of the things i created actually was a pretend magazine cover that he got on called boring stone and from that one kind of image that I created, um, uh, we ended up creating the whole boring stone drop and all that. And that took on a whole life of its own, too. But the idea, you know, essentially was to just experiment and test out, can this ape actually have his own IP? Like, if I sell him one day, could he be sold with, uh, you know, with licensing agreements or like with a whole body of work that goes along with it and that's kind of the the crazy experiment and it's all coming to fruition you're seeing people do it and you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm winking at a couple people who are in this room that may or may not help turn it into maybe even something bigger and snowball into more um because i think that that really is the future like it's that's where the beauty of this IP comes from. It's kind of like in crypto, everyone can become an early stage investor or venture capitalist, and you could just completely fuck the border and, and anyone in the world can do it and anyone can participate. And it doesn't matter if the government says you can or can't. Now anyone in the world can, can become like, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, stan lee or like not even stan lee he created the character but you can easily buy the character off of you know the next stan lee and then turn it into a business and do something with it you don't have to you can have a friend who's an illustrator or you can buy an existing piece of work like a board ape but you can create more value and i think that's the crazy thing like right now you know i have the you know uh, uh scumbag glasses right the punk ape strong has those glasses and you can look at you know, open sea and see that on the floor. But like how many apes have been 
you know, uh, uh, featured in a commercial, right? There's like that, you know, or how many apes have recognizable value? Is Jimmy Fallon's ape worth more because it was Jimmy Fallon's ape? I think so. Like it has more, it has more recognition. So it's like, it's like an actor that's been in more things. Like they're, they charge more for their work, right? So I don't know. I, I have this, I feel like there's this future where, uh, the the misfits and weirdos and nerds and artists among us could really create a lot more value than we could have in the past. We have more control over it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because you said about Jimmy Fallon. I noticed from the very point uh, because uh, we own, uh, I call him Bobby Bananas, but we, we've got the eight with the heart glasses on. So since yeah. Jimmy Fallon had heart glasses and then um, there's a few others, and then the Adidas steel heart glasses. I've watched the floor rise on those, and I found that fascinating that just one tiny little trait in amongst a big, huge project can obviously moon or rocket just because one person says something or one person represents it in an image that goes onto mainstream media. Yeah, it's also like people see the same thing and different people uh, uh, value different things, right? Like I saw uh, the the glasses that my guy has on and I, and I go like, shit, that guy looks like me. My dad actually wears glasses that look really, really similar because he has those funny ones that kind of get darker when you go in the sun. And so his like always are a little bit dark even when he's indoors. And so I was like, I, I was laughing at him when I uh, FaceTimed the other day. I was like, oh shit, he actually has the real scumbag glasses. Um, but, uh, but like my daughter, uh, she, she literally, when she sees apes and things like that, she goes, she goes, you gotta get a cheetah gang, get me a cheetah gang. And I'm like, okay, you know, you do realize that we're talking about like $200,000, right? Like, it's not like that simple, but that's the one that speaks to her. And, you know, um, uh, you look at the different ones and everybody has their, their thing that they, that they love, you know? And, and I think that's the, the beauty of these generative drops too. You can look and even though they're all pretty similar in some ways, they're all really different in other ways. And they're all unique. And that's, it's, that's a part of the fun. Um, it's just, I think the whole thing is just so cool. I love uh, how eventually like I found somebody who helped me and now I'm doing it with a bunch of my friends and with the other boring stone crew, but like animating them and creating these uh, puppets uh, or what we call them of, of our apes so that we can create content as the ape and everything. It's just so much fun. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've enjoyed seeing um, over the course of time, what people are doing with their apes. But when, so when you got your ape, when we got up to uh, the whole kind of Mutant Monday, well, I call it Mutant Monday, but when we got up to that Saturday where we were all getting serums, did you have any idea of what was going on? No, I, I honestly, so I, I knew we were getting the serums. And I got really excited. And actually, <laughs> my son and I were like cheering and going nuts because we were one of the people, we were one of the last people to get the, the, the basic serum, right? And uh, I thought that they had just finished distributing the basic serums. And so we thought for a moment that we were for sure going to get at least an M2. So we were like cheering and screaming and going nuts. <laughs> we were so stoked. And then, uh, I don't know if you remember, but then there was like a little hiccup and then they like distributed the, like the last, you know, thousand of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, of the basic ones. And then, um, 
And then that's what I got. So if you see my, my avatar right now is Punk Ape Strong with that serum. And I had no idea they were going to open up the um, selling the, uh, the mutants just as a drop. And I got, um, but I did, you know, I actually got swept up in the whole craziness of it, saw it was happening. And I remember I like had to go pick up dinner for the family or something. And I literally like, before I snuck out the door, like I like made some, I paid like the extra fast gas so I could like sell some of my crypto so I could buy, um, I was trying to buy a few of the apes but i didn't know because remember like the price was slowly going down but i didn't know like how to game it and i was just like oh screw it like let's just get it and i ended up buying uh two two more other than uh than the other ones on the drop i had no idea that was happening or anything like that i just like it was just a uh you know a thing and i also was going to hold my serum and like try to game that and, and do that stuff but like I, I just kind of realized and I know who I am, right? I could recognize myself in it. And I was like, I need a mutant version of Punk Ape Strong. And I know I'm, you know, very unlikely going to sell him in the foreseeable future, probably never sell him. And so I have to have the mutant version of him. Like, what's he going to wear on, on Halloween? So, uh, <laughs> so I, I, you know, that same day or the next day, uh, probably that same night, I doubt I waited, uh, thinking back on it. Um, I, I, I drank the serum and I made, uh, and I made, uh, the, the, the mutant, uh, punk ape strong that you see in my avatar right now. And then with the other two that you got, um, did you get M1s or M2s when you minted? No, they're, they were uh, just the, the, the basics. I'm trying to remember now. now like, I keep uh, saying the basic one. It was M1, <laughs> M2, and then the... Mega. The Mega. Okay, so M1 <laughs> is the... Is the I always want to say one is like the top one because it's like number one. So I was mixing up. So yeah, I got the M1. Both of mine are M1. I got one that's pretty cool with uh, with the fast food uh, thing. So he's got the cheeseburgers and stuff. Um, uh, and um, I've got another one that's pretty neat. That's actually a um, an M1 uh, Cheetah Gang guy. Um, obviously, it doesn't look like Cheetah print on the mutants, but it's pretty cool. But um, those are all the um, all the the official apes I have. I, I only have the one board ape and the three mutants, and, and I mean only. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that's pretty very stoked. awesome right now. Yeah, I think the fact that you've held on to them as well, as opposed to kind of just minting them and then and then ditching them. I think the uh, the long term holds for 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 everyone in the community is like obviously the most epic play that those that hold yeah. out will be rewarded the most i firmly believe i think so to me most of what i do in like i have alon.eth that's like my public wallet that i have and most of everything i do there is i think of them as, as experiments so like if i participate in DeFi or whatever i i do it with an amount that i expect i'm going to lose when i buy an nft i expect to hold it and i do that you know and I maybe try, like, I've tried to learn from that a little bit. And, like, if I mint, like, something, I'll mint, like, five of them at a time or, or, or something so that if it does go crazy, I sell one so I can make my money back and then I'll have ETH to use on the next drop and the next thing. But I generally just hold. And I think, you know, I tell people it's you should hold and it will pay dividends if you truly believe in the thing because, you know, to me, 
almost everything that's come out of that wallet and that's grown out of it and the, the, the ape that I own and the mutants I own, all these things kind of came out of experiments and then airdrops and then experimenting with the funds made from the airdrops and experiments. And this space, kind of the whole point of this space and the whole DeFi and crypto ecosystem is to give ownership and reward to the people who participate. So like I joked, uh, I said earlier that I sold, I think I sold my Uniswap for it. You know, I have uh, my son is poopoo.eth and he did a couple drops um, about a year ago and we worked on some stuff and he wanted to do some things. And that's how I learn. Right. And, and we did things together. And both him and I got the Uniswap drop. And usually what we do is we play it safe. Right. When we get an airdrop, we sell it all from one wallet and we hold it in the other. Kind of like in Vegas, like if you make a lot of money on one move. You, you throw the big chip in your pocket and then you keep gambling so that at the end of the day, at least if you're disciplined, you, you end up ahead or, or then you just reach into your pocket later. And hopefully you don't. Uh, but, you know, that that's what we do. And with a few of these things, it's really paid off. We did that uh, the other day with the ENS stuff. I held and held for, for a while and then I wanted to participate in something. I think it was maybe the Desperate Ape Wives or one of the others. And so then I sold my ENS to do that. And I've kind of always done that and it's always worked out. You know, like eventually I go, okay, I guess I should sell this thing and because I'm going to get this other thing I'm really into. But it, it always kind of, I, I think of it as education. Like think about how much money we spent or in some people's lives uh and most days including mine that are wasted on on school honestly <laughs> um and i think about how much money that was the amount of money we spend on transaction fees and experimenting and learning to do some of this stuff yourself is to me in the the cost of education in this space and even if in the short term you know you lose out on some of these and i'm not saying like buy into every shitty uh nft you see um do some research and be discerning and do stuff that makes you happy. Um, and then, you know, if you lose money on that, only lose money that you can afford to lose. But I think that just these experiments are going to put all of us first in line for jobs in the, in the near term. And it's going to, it's, it's going to make us, you know, get, it's building up our education, but education kind of like, you know, a vocational school versus uh, going to, to some university and, and teaching us theory. Like, you still have to go out and get shit done in the real world to really learn and learn how to apply that, that education you got in the university. This is kind of the combination of both. Like, if, I, if my son comes to me and goes, hey, dad, I want to do an airdrop, I have to fucking, you know, Google it and read GitHub pages and figure out, like, how do you even fork code from github like i didn't know how to do that like you know a, a couple of years ago but i was technical enough to to be able to do the tutorials and learn how to do it and then when my son said you know let's do an airdrop i went okay you sit in the chair i'm gonna stand behind you and i'll kind of point you in the directions but we're gonna learn this together and to me you know i, I thought i was losing that money uh when i did the airdrop with him and at the time it was a you know, a few hundred dollars in transaction fees, but that was when ETH was just a couple hundred bucks or three or 400 bucks. So I was like, you know, I'm spending two, three ETH to teach my son something that hopefully he'll, you know, will be an education, but I didn't realize he would actually end up making way more uh, because of it. Right. And 
I, I think that that's an important sort of lesson in the crypto space. The more experimenting I've done, the more it's paid back. Um, and, and, you know, on top of it all, meeting all the people that, that you meet doing it, if you're participating in the communities, is, is such a huge, huge opportunity. And that alone is worth probably way more, but we can't quantify it in the short term. Yeah, I definitely think that's very true because there's so many people out there that are prepared to help and it it's always that nervous moment of, of obviously if it's the right person, but you can pretty much tell between interactions and in the community as well yeah. that you just ask and there'll be three or four people within five minutes that are able to, to answer the questions. Yeah, I mean, and you start to get to know people. Even through Twitter, I think most of us, have a spidey sense or some kind of something where we kind of know who's real and who's not even if you get swept up in some things there's some people who've kind of faked us and there's been some drops but like i remember um the day of la fame lady squad um all of the drama that happened i was uh i was driving actually but like somebody had texted me and so i was like listening into a spaces and in the spaces somebody was like fuck nft ignition she told me to buy fame lady squads and and she's in on this like thing and i remember trying like i was hitting the request button to try to get on stage because even though i'd never met her in person i'd like only uh dm'd with her and texted her and random stuff i wanted to be there to defend her because i was like like if she even did promote it which in the end it found out she didn't she just tweeted about it because she bought some <laughs> um uh she she got duped too right like she got scammed and i was looking at it through the eyes of of these random crypto scams that have happened in the 2017 times and all that and what was crazy is it was like it was pretty much the same playbook as as a lot of those things and and we're seeing it happen again and again in nfts and it's just kind of a some assholes found a way to, to scam people out of money. And they're like, oh, here's, here's a new set of people we can do this to. But what's cool is that I think some of the people who've been around longer and the fact that we're just a little bit, you know, the, the industry is a little more mature, people kind of caught on faster and people came to the rescue faster. And it turns out that the person that, that some just, you know, knee-jerk reaction, someone who felt scammed went after um, ended up being one of the people to save the day, right? Like Danielle, who's, who's NFT Ignition, you know, uh, with Board Becky and Data and some of those people came in and saved the day and turned basically something that was a, you know, a huge shitty situation or a big loss for whoever participated, including me. And to me, it was like, it was extra offensive because that was the first one that my daughter like sat on my lap and we like picked you know, we, we, we were so stoked to mint and, and she was like so excited that she owned some ladies. Um, and, and then, you know, and extra, you know, hurt. Right. And then, um, and today, so, you know, it just, it just shows that, I don't know, these, these weird, um, fake, kind of whatever these situations are, um, or these fake, you know, like, I didn't. I didn't know what you looked like, uh, uh, or, or or anything until I saw some pictures of that you posted with like random friends on Twitter from when you guys went to New York, 
Um, and but I've listened to you on spaces and I've heard your voice and I've seen the things you say and do. And I go, oh, she's she's one of the real ones. Like she's she's legit. Right. And and we sort of make friends with like I didn't I, I later like Mr. Suit, who's in this room that I'm, I'm seeing and Yoni. Uh, Yoni, I've known like my whole life, but, you know, online, I only see his avatar, Mr. Suit. I never met in real life, but I met him in, on, on the backstage of blockchain and booze. And I've had some Zoom calls since and stuff like that. You start making real friends in this space. Um, and that, like I said, I think that's that's where long term, uh, you know, it's it's like the crypto space, like I said, but earlier, like I said, the, the there's a different set of. Um, weirdness or or something that drew some of us towards nfts a little harder and and that's my uh i feel like it's my place <laughs> it's funny and we actually people. met mr sue uh when we were in new york as well so um and that was at the um fame lady and boring stone event as well and and of course as soon as he introduced himself it was weird because I could see obviously him standing in front of me as a person, but I could also see his ape. It's yeah. a surreal thing. <laughs> yeah, we talked about like I talked about because I do LA Blockchain Summit. It's uh, uh, you know that that conference I told you about earlier. We eventually rebranded it to LA Blockchain Summit, and we've been kind of joking like, do we like? Uh, do some kind of connection to people's Twitter account when they sign up next year and like print their PFPs on the badge or like, do we, do we get some kind of weird e-ink like display, like Kindle style thing and put our badges on that so people can change their avatars or something. Like we, we were thinking of all these weird things we could do because like, I'm going to walk around the conference and see a bunch of names and not know shit. Like I won't know who's what, <laughs> but if I see their avatar, I'm like, I'd be like, Oh shit, there's, there's a Yoni with his Nessie. There's Mr. Suit, right? Like I'll, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's so funny. Like I wear my, uh, I have a black and white striped shirt that I wear all the time. Like, and I'll purposely wear it for like blockchain booze if we're talking apes and stuff like that. But like still just a dude in a striped shirt, maybe with glasses on and I don't look like, you know, it'd be hard to put it together unless you're like super nerd, um, maybe like me. But uh, <laughs> it's so. Do you it's find so that? Do you find that you've gone from a place where you, where you say about feeling kind of nerdy and that kind of thing, where you feel like you kind of fit? You've gone into a community where everybody's so different, but yet we're all the same. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's really funny. I used to, like, that's how I felt growing up when I was doing, you know, punk rock stuff, right? Like, I was a teenager in punk bands, and I had my own little record label. And by my own record label meant, like, I, I printed CDs of my friends' bands, and I'd save up money to print a thousand at a time. And, like, you know, not like some, some real, not like some actual real business, but I would do that. And what's funny is I had patches that my that I had with my record label um, that we made that were this logo that I still use on stuff sometimes. Like it's like a peace sign with an equal sign, and it's like a spray painted thing that I did as a teenager. And the patches on on the top said different, and then right at the bottom it said just like you. <laughs> um, and uh, and because we all felt like a bunch of misfits and weirdos like we didn't fit in with with everyone else but together we were this community and that's how i feel like that's what drives me in in crypto i joke you know like one of the sort of um 
goofing around songs that I play on my guitar with my kids and stuff like that is this song called The Desperation's Gone. It's like this no effects song, but I play it really slow, like a watered down version of it goofing around. And, um, and I, I reference that song all the time because it, 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 it's like a song about, like there's a whole category of songs in punk rock that are like songs that are very like meta, like they're about punk rock. <laughs> and the whole point of the song is that like it was written when punk rock got popular and they were saying like the songs sound the same, but the desperation's gone. And I feel like we, we may get there with NFTs soon. And I, when I look at companies to invest in, I look at like the founders and are they doing it because this is this cool new thing and this is where they're going to make money, right? Or are they doing it because they're, it's ser- like they have no choice but to do it. Like this is their life. Like this is where they need to be and this is the business they need to be in and this is the, the problem they have to solve. Not that they want to solve it. Not that it's interesting or like, hey, yeah, this is this cool thing. It's like they're here because they're like, it, it's their lifestyle, right? And that song is like, is a perfect to me, like representation of that. It's like, it's literally saying like, like, remember when this used to be dangerous? Like, remember, like, you know, and I think we're going to talk about crypto like that in the future. Like, we're gonna be like, hey, remember when like, you know, we all got rugged? Remember when that thing happened? Or remember when, you know, the government fucked us all by by making that rule and, and, you know, whatever. And then it'll be like, oh, that was crazy like back then and now it's just normal everyday life like you know crypto is just the thing and so uh, i it to me it's that's that's like a part of being this community like we're so many of us are here because it's like we're drawn to it and it's just where we belong and and there are some people that came because you know they heard about it and they might make money and whatever but there's like a certain level, like I, 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 I've overthought this way too much and I talk about it a lot uh, on things, but it's like, to me, like, you know, people would talk shit, including myself when bands were like mainstream popular when, when I was younger, like, oh man, he fucking likes like uh, uh, Blink-182 or Green Day or whatever. And, and I actually kind of like those bands. Um, I really like Green Day, but like, it was like you couldn't like a band if they were on TV or on the radio because that was like, you, you know, you're a poser now. Like, but how many people, you know, heard their first punk rock song because they went, uh, they, they heard of Green Day, they got the album, they saw some like picture of a cover or of a flyer from a punk rock show and went like, Green Day opened up for a band called you know, uh, Operation Ivy, you know, in, in 1985, like, what the hell is that? Like, let's look up Operation Ivy. And then they kind of fall down the rabbit hole. I feel like crypto and NFTs can, can be like that. And, you know, some people be in for the wrong reasons, or maybe some people just come and, and fucking buy Dogecoin and never talk to anyone else and never do anything else. And that's their thing. But there's going to be some fraction of those people buy Dogecoin go like, what the fuck is an NFT? What's this ape? Or I'm going to buy into Bitcoin, buy into Ethereum, I'm going to buy Tezos, whatever it is. And they fall down this rabbit hole along us and, it, and they're one of us, right? Like it's like they find their community within it. And it's kind of the beauty of the internet, like the whole point of the internet. And my first sort of job in tech was at MySpace. So that's probably why I really overthink all this stuff. Um, but that, Actually, that's... the co-host who's Rob next to you, which is my husband, he started uh, years ago at AOL, 
So yeah, you two, MySpace and AOL. I'm surrounded by the vintage. Hey, wait, Rob, <laughs> Rob. So my brother, who's a few years older than me, uh, was we we were early AOL people. But my brother was an engineer, and he he created an add-on program back then. You could you could download these things called add-ons for AOL that would like you know kind of be like a plugin or, or I don't know what the analogy for today would be like maybe like a Chrome extension but for AOL and he made one called AOLOL <laughs> and uh, it was it was like a way to to make me- messaging better on on AOL before instant messages were even a thing that's how long ago it was um, so uh, I'm and and there were these uh, do you remember Rob the 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 sort of there was one called AO Hell and a few of these like not uh, not sort of sanctioned um, uh, add-ons and you could run um, your address through them and order like a thousand AOL discs to be sent to your house that then you could get free floppy disks. <laughs> I unfortunately remember them very well. Yes, uh, <laughs> I actually got chatting with a gentleman the other day that. Uh, uh, I, I was one of the first. I was employee number twenty-six within AOL. So back no then, way. It was it was very early days, and we used to we basically programmed or, or built the buddy list, uh, aim, and yeah. the welcome screen. Um, and he he then decided to tell me that he was one of the few people that had a star tour that used to hack into the system and. And, and exactly the AOL hell and everything. And I'm thinking, yeah, you used to make my life a nightmare. <laughs> so think, think about like, so what's really funny is nowadays people would, uh, you know how like you see those videos on, uh, uh, for everyone else uh, uh, listening, there'd be the, there's like those random internet videos and they play the, um, the like Dr. Dre song that goes like, like that song, you would turn on AOL hell and it would show, um, dude. What's the guy's name? What's the founder of AOL's name? Uh, it's not. Is it Steve? I can't think. Of something. Yeah. Steve's oh, yes. Yeah, Steve. Steve Case. Steve Case. It. it would show. It would show his face, and it would like say AOL, and then it would have flames on the side of it. <laughs> like, it's, it's like how bad the graphics were and stuff. And it would play that song, and it would go, and like crappy, like uh, you know, old school crappy speakers, like eight bit thing. It was it was so good, and then you could use it. And you would use it essentially to create fake AOL accounts um, yep. to uh, bypass. Uh, you'd use it to like, get fake AOL accounts for the free trial. So because you would pay by the minute for AOL. Yes. Yeah, it was so <laughs> expensive. I'd actually I'd have to check timelines because I might still be bound by the NDA I had to sign when I left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I remember uh, the, the, all those things and my older brother was was into them and, and stuff and taught me. And uh, but I was, you know, like a junior high kid trying to get free, you know, free AOL but there wasn't much to do back then yet you know like it was uh it was so it funny was very but basic, it was yeah. epic yeah it was so crazy like it was well think about it you were you mentioned buddy list but that buddy list thing like there wasn't like instant messenger yet so um you could like send a person a message but you had to be in AOL and so there was like there was ways to kind of game the system to bounce between the free area and the paid area so you could message your friends without using too many minutes. Um, uh, yeah, it was I used to get a lot of messages. 
emails from my mum who was using AOL at the time saying, can you just, I'm like, yeah, let me just, let me open up a portway for you. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And then we were all using our phone connections and then yelling at people and getting so angry when they'd call your house and kick you offline. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Oh man, that's so cool. Rob, uh, Rob, you're in, uh, you're an OG. I'd say I'm, we've, I'm we've been around this circuit. <laughs> <laughs> we've been around this circuit. That's why like Web three to us is like we feel like the grandparents around here, Rob and I, because <laughs> like we we we're old enough to remember before there was internet, and that's how you can tell. So when when your child complains about homework, you go, "Well, <laughs> you just type into Google. You don't have to walk to the library, find oh. a book, walk home." I tried to explain what a beeper was to my son the other day. I said, you know, when I was in high school, there was a thing called a beeper. And like, if you were lucky, you'd sneak somewhere. Because no parents would let you buy one, but you could buy one. Like if you went to the mall or something and you had like 50 bucks, you could buy one. Uh, and it was this funny thing explaining to him. And then he's like, well, then why, why didn't you just use your phone? And I was like, yeah, you know, what do you think I am? You know, like my, you think that like we're rich money bags. We had a cell phone. Like this is at a time when maybe uh, if you drove like a real fancy car, you could get a car phone or something. But <laughs> And the idea of a phone actually like connected to the car is just the, the most hilarious, crazy thing to a kid. Well, especially when you see the films now and the car phones, are like if you look at Miami Vice or something like that, <laughs> car phones are like super big where they pick them up, like big, heavy, like weights kind of thing. But uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Now, am I right in thinking, as we've got a few minutes left, are you going to play or your your buddy oh. um, um, eight strong play us out with a song? Oh, oh shit! Yeah, um, <laughs> I uh, so I will be honest that uh, punk ape strong, you know, put less uh, planning and effort into this um, than uh, so. When you, know, what's funny is you asked if I would do if I would do this, and I you know must I had a bug up my butt that that moment I like grabbed my guitar and recorded myself doing that funny thing saying like I'm going to be on mutant Monday but I didn't really uh fully uh plan on uh anything but uh how about that wait wait. so I can do the I'm going to be on mutant Monday but I can uh say I was going to I will make for for a future thing I promise that Punk Ape Strong will make a uh, a Mutant Monday theme song because I can play those same chords and do something like uh, like like hold on let's think about it like you're listening to Mutant Monday this is Mutant Monday or something like that I don't I just threw my phone on the table so I hope you could actually listen to that um, yeah well this is it now you'll be able to play there we go been on Mutant Monday. That's right. So now, now I'll have to come up with something. I'll, I'll have to add something in about Rob being an AOL OG. Um, uh, and uh, it was so funny. I literally, I did it so fast that I had some, I don't even remember the exact words because I never wrote it down. But I thought that I said, like, this song sucks really bad because I just found out five minutes ago or something. And then I listened to it afterwards and I had totally different words than I thought were on it but I was like connecting the puppet so quickly and doing it. But here's something I wanted to put out there because one of the things that I thought would be hilarious, and I don't know if it's funny to anyone other than me, but I was, uh, I, um, 
I, uh, I thought about punk ape strong back in the day. And remember I said, he has a whole backstory of how he, uh, how he's like this old punk rocker and he plays depressing songs, you know, on acoustic guitar and all that. And the whole original idea was that he was going to put out an album and I don't know if I'll be able to do this anyway with my, I'm running out of my voice, but who cares? Cause I'm supposed to be an old punk rocker. So if it disappoints and sucks, then, then that's part of the fun. Um, but I think that he's going to put out an album. And part of the funny thing about the album was going to be that it's going to be all about apes and NFTs without once saying the word ape or NFT. So like, you know, the, the, all of the inside jokes we might know about like sweeping the floor and stuff like that will be in it. But if you like the idea was that like, what if an ape put out an album, but if you weren't into apes and you didn't know NFTs, like there'd be all these inside jokes for you that you would just never get. And it would just sound like a normal song. So here is uh, uh, I'm going to debut uh, the, the, an idea that I had for part of the song, or at least like the first song, because I think, I think it's inevitable that, that Punk Ape Strong puts out a song. So I'm going to try to do it. I'll probably fuck it up, but that's kind of the point, right? So um, hold on. I have, uh, I have my fake notes here. I'm, gonna, I'm setting, uh, and again, I'm setting the, the phone on the table. So, you know, if the sound sucks, that's a part of that too. Um, but I mean, it's probably better than the kind of sound we used to have when we were doing our punk rock shows when we were kids anyway. So here we go. This is, uh, the super serious, not serious punk ape strong first song. Let's see if I can, uh, blah. <laughs> okay. Well, I was swept off the floor when I hit rock bottom and it's hard to ignore all these feelings inside I got a name I ain't no number anymore Well I was swept off the floor when I hit rock bottom and it's hard to ignore all these feelings I've got I've got a name I ain't no number to be sold anymore anymore I've got a name, I ain't no number anymore, anymore, anymore. Amazing. I really like that. It's got me quite teary up, I'll be honest. I got a little tear going on. I'm not a number yeah. anymore, I'm a name.
<laughs> well, I thought that was the first fun thing because the first thing I ask people when they try to show me their apes or their fame ladies is like, what's its name? And if you haven't named it yet, then what the heck? Come on. You got to name very, your ape. Very, very true. It. Very true. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending the last hour with us. It's so great. And and we're at episode 10. And that's that's amazing. Yeah. So, Congratulations. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, you know, if, if you're a boring stone holder, by the way, expect some some big surprises uh, in the for the holidays and, and for other times. Thank you, Vicky, so much for having me. And uh, I appreciate you doing all this hard work of spreading the word and getting to, to episode 10. That's probably nine more episodes than every person who starts a podcast. that's good to know it's certainly it's certainly knowing more than i thought i would ever achieve i never knew i'd have a podcast this time last year so uh, if i can do it anyone can do it thank you for doing it thank you alan so much and have a wonderful evening and say hi to punk ape strong and we'll be looking forward excitedly to the the launch of that song for sure thanks everyone thanks everyone for joining episode 10 that'll be up on spotify and apple shortly and we'll be reliant on rob for that he does an awesome job as well thank you to everyone for listening in and for all the lovely kind feedback that we get it's it's really good and it pushes us on to do more have a great evening everyone love you guys